The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 169 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for checking in with us again this week. We've got such a fantastic show for you. But first of all, we want to thank our new reviewers over on uh, Facebook. Thank you so much to James Webb uh, for the recommendation and the kind words. And then on Apple Podcasts, we have three new reviewers, uh, Justin Roberry, Connecting Through Listening, and uh, a user named 10101837. Thank you so much to all three of you for your five-star reviews uh, on Apple Podcasts and all of your kind words. We so appreciate our listeners. You guys are very, very good to us in getting the word out there. So thank you very much. My guest on the show this week is Mike Pilkey, and you know how much I love a good conversion story. Mike has a great conversion story as well as he talks about some of the trials in his life and ultimately how the gospel has brought him peace. And Mike is just a good guy. I really enjoyed this conversation. And coming up this week in my Latter-day life, God appreciates effort. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today here on the Latter-day Lives podcast, we have got a guest who has a fantastic conversion story and life story, and we're going to talk about his career as a magician as well. Mike Pilkey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sean. No, I'm super excited to have you here. Uh, You've been a, a follower and a supporter of the show from the beginning, which we really appreciate. But I'm super excited because I don't know your whole backstory. I know you're a convert, and I know you've had some really cool experiences, and I'm kind of chomping at the bit to get to those. But first, let's get to know you. Tell us a little bit about where you're from. Yeah, so uh, I am from a little town called Athens, Tennessee. It is the exact halfway point between Chattanooga and Knoxville. So if you go 45 minutes south, that's Chattanooga. 45 minutes north, that's, that's Knoxville. Wow, so it's a it's a small little town. How, how big is Athens? Do you know roughly the the population? Oh, I think we got up to ten people last week. Now, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's you know I I have no idea, but it is it's nicknamed the friendly city. Uh, I have no idea how it how it got its nickname, but but uh, it, yeah, it, it's it's a small town compared to Chattanooga, which is really small compared to other major cities. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, I mentioned that you have a, a conversion story. So you were not born into the church, right? Right. I was. I was raised in a a fairly typical Christian home. You know, um, I remember going primarily to a Methodist church growing up, but we did go to some Baptist churches here and there. You know, I would say that my parents did teach us about God. And we were encouraged to go to church, but never really made to. Mm. So I would have considered myself to be a Christian, although I'm not sure by actual definition that I, I was at the time. Got it. Okay. And you have, uh, do you have siblings? I do. I have one older sister. Um, and then I have a a stepsister as well, who is also older. Uh, I'm actually closer to her than I am my biological <laughs> sister, but I love them both. Yeah, that's great. So tell us what you were into when you were growing up. Yeah, so I was I was into a lot of things, mainly movies. <laughs> I loved a lot of movies. That is what sparked my imagination. And at a fairly early age, I got interested in magic simply by watching David Copperfield, on TV, we had a few magicians who would come and perform at my school. So I got bit by the magic bug pretty early. Uh, I always had a, 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 a fascination with it. I've, I've always enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, that, that's pretty much what my uh, hobbies were as a kid was pretty much just movies and magic. Do you remember your first trick? Uh, 
Yes. Well, I, I remember too. I remember the first trick that I learned. And then I remember my first like real trick, my first real sleight of hand trick. So uh, I do. I remember as a, as a kid, we had a family member who was a professional children's clown and she would slam her thumb in a, in a kitchen drawer. She would scream, <laughs> act like she was in pain. And then she would like, you know, pull off her thumb. And <laughs> I remember old, that's the old trick, the old pull out the thumb. Trick. Yeah. yeah. But as a kid, that was my first moment of, wow, like I, I thought what she was doing was real. I, I thought if I slam my thumb hard enough in a drawer, I will be able to pull my thumb off. And I, I found out quick, Sean, that, that was not the case. There was oh, a trick no. to it. <laughs> oh, no, that's funny. Yeah. So um, also from a young age, um, well, I shouldn't say from a young age. So part of your story is uh, that you deal with uh, stuttering. That's something that's a part of your life. Was that from a young age? That was ever since I learned how to talk. Um, So, you know, three or four years old, I I had a stutter, which is not too uncommon for kids. About 75% of children uh, who stutter end up growing out of. Hmm. And, And I just never did. You know, but the stuttering, I, I feel like it is what has kept me humble. You know, it, it's something that I still struggle with every day. Uh, unfortunately, there is no cure for it, but there are ways to manage it, which I have gotten fairly good at over the years. Yeah, that's great. When you were a kid, were you self-conscious about it? I, I would like to think that I wasn't, but, you know, every kid is, you know, if, if there's something that they have going on, that's not necessarily the norm. You know, I feel like, of course I would be self-conscious about it, but that didn't really hit until around middle school when I would, I would be speaking or I would be called upon and I would have to read in front of the class and I would hear, you know, other classmates kind of laugh and, and smirk, you know, as, as kids tend to do, but um, it, it was discouraging, but it, it really drove me to figure out a way to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because all kids think that they have something that nobody else has, but every kid is self-conscious about something. You you don't realize that till you're older. Uh, but when you're a kid, it feels like you're the only one who has anything going on. So. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's always my element that is just the absolute worst. You know, I, I remember at, um, I would say this was probably three years ago or so I was at a job and I was just having a hard time getting a, a word out. I was just stuttering so bad. And I was like, this is just the worst thing to deal with. <laughs> and who I was talking to, he was like, I can name off a couple of things that are probably worse than stuttering. <laughs> that really put it into perspective. I was like, yeah, you're right. There, there are so many other other things that I could have that I, I don't. And, and, and over time I've, I've actually seen my stutter as a bit of a blessing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's what makes us all unique. So it's awesome. Awesome. So you get into your teenage years. When did you start performing magic? Like when did magic become a big part of your life? I was 13 years old. So this would have been, if my math is correct, 2005, I believe. Um, a magician from my hometown, he performed at my school a few years prior, and I became a part of his fan club. He had a fan club, and he would send out you know, like a news packet and all that stuff, and I got a notification that he was going to be performing somewhere, and so I went to see him perform. I got to meet with him, and at this point, I had an interest in magic. I didn't necessarily want to do magic but i had an interest in it i definitely loved watching it and he taught me how to do a trick and that just really sparked it from there you know he mentored me and showed me the correct way to learn magic to learn showmanship and i think about that now because now i'm older than what he was then 
Mm. And I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, if I'm a guy in my young 20s, the last thing I'm going to want is some little punk you know, <laughs> teenage kid, you know, hanging around wanting to see how I do everything. But he he saw that I was sincere about it, that I didn't just want to know how the trick was done. I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn the art. And so he he really helped set me in that path. And he he showed me how to go about it and how to do it. Awesome. You know, that's been a consistent theme in this show is just people who take the time to be mentors for young people. That's incredible. Absolutely. So you get through your high school years, and I really don't know how old you were when you found the church or what that backstory is. Yeah. So I was I was 16 at the time. And and here's where the stutter kind of ties into it. When I was 15, so this would have been a year before I joined the church, I was in drama class purely because I wanted to do stage crew stuff. Like I was, I was interested in the tech, the lighting, the makeup, everything. I wanted to learn how to do all that. I had no interest in being on stage, did not want to be on stage. And luckily, thankfully, we had a wonderful drama teacher who at the beginning of the year, said, okay, we're doing two plays this year. We're doing a a winter play and a spring play. If you are stage crew for the winter play, you have to act in the spring play and vice versa. <laughs> so here I am thinking, okay, well, I can be stage crew for the winter play and I can just drop the class before spring. Uh, that's, that's what I was thinking, but um, it, it wasn't long into that, into doing these theater exercises that I realized and my drama teacher realized that I don't stutter when I'm on stage. Wow. Really? I could, I could memorize the monologue. I could, I could recite it and it threw me for a complete curve. I just didn't stutter. And so she thought that I should audition to act in the winter play. And I did. And to my surprise, I got the lead role, the one with the most lines in this Christmas play. And I was, I was so nervous, but Sean, I did the play. It went off perfect. I didn't stutter. The only people who knew about this, by the way, were the people involved with the play. So my teachers, the rest of the class, no one knew that I was going to be the lead. And I'm sure what my teachers were thinking when they saw me up there was, this is going to be embarrassing for this kid. Uh, <laughs> but, but every one of them were completely surprised. I was surprised. My parents were surprised. So that is what kickstarted my love for, for theater. And it wasn't long after that that I was sitting there thinking, you know, I wonder how I can apply this to magic so I can perform in front of people. Yeah. So I say all that to say this, the next year, my sophomore year, I'm at a different school and I'm not in drama class, but I auditioned for the play. You know, I'm coming off of this, this, this great high from, you know, I had the lead role and, oh man, I'm going to go nail this. Sean, for that audition, to say that I bombed the audition <laughs> is a complete <laughs> understatement. Uh, I, I could not get a single word of my monologue out. Really? Could not, could not get a single word out. It was, it was so awful and embarrassing. So needless to say, I did not get a spot in the, in the play, but I was told I could still help out. I could do the set building and design and things like that. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I love to say true stuff. So I'll do that. A few weeks go by and I get a, a call over the intercom for me to come up to the office you know, and I'm thinking, oh, man, what, 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 what did I do now? I don't know why they called me up to the office over the intercom, but I guess it was just to scare me. But I get up there. There's a guy who was in the play who the dates for the play was going to conflict with his um, scheduling in the band and, and with football and all that. So he, uh, he was not going to be able to do it. And they asked if I wanted that part. It was a small part. But I said, of course, I would, I would love to. So I got that part, show up to theater class. Everything's great. Uh, there's this guy in there, this other student who every day he's just in there smiling and happy. Um, and I'm like, you know, this guy's pretty cool. 
And so he and I get to talking and hanging out. We're good friends. Opening night of the play, uh, he and I enter from the same door, the same entrance. And, and I'm backstage. I'm excited. And I, I swore in front of him. I said a swear word. And he just looked at me as if not to offend me. And he just said, if you don't mind, if, if you could not swear in front of me. And I just, I was kind of taken back by that because I was thinking, what 16-year-old kid doesn't swear? You know, I was like, what is it with this guy? So I apologized to him. I was like, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you and all that. He's like, no, 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 it's all good. So after the play, I was asking him about it. I was like, you know, I think that's really neat. And uh, I asked him, well, why? Um, is that so? Like how, um, how come he doesn't, you know, like swearing as weird as that sounds, Sean, in the South swearing's a, an everyday occurrence, right? So this, this was an anomaly for me. It was just weird. Sure. And, and so, um, um, he, he had explained that he was a member of the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, um, and all that. And, and he asked if I wanted to learn more about it. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was thinking, no, not, yeah. not really. <laughs> uh, you know, so he invites me to church and to be a good friend because I had several friends who had invited me to their various other churches and I would go just, just to be friendly. And I, I fall asleep during most of them or, or doze off. Uh, I just didn't have much interest in religion. And so I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. So I go to church, and I actually enjoyed it. I didn't feel bored. I didn't feel uh, sleepy. <laughs> I enjoyed it. And so I remember after, you'll, you'll, you'll love this, Sean. I remember after um, he asked me how I liked it. I said, you know, I liked it. I think that was pretty cool. Thank, thank, thanks for inviting me. Thinking that would be it. And he said, well, I want to introduce you to my friends. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> see, it's funny because we know where this is going. We, we know now. who the friends are yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just so happens, Sean, both of their first name is Elder. That is amazing. Uh, what are the odds of that? <laughs> I know. And, uh, and so, you know, as I'm sure missionaries have heard millions of times, oh, you both have the same first name, you know. Um, but... I, I met Elder Johnson and Elder Christensen, and the Fifield family was, was going to invite me over to their home for food, uh, which, of course, I'm never going to pass up, right? I mean, if, if anyone wants me to join any religion out there, the key to it is food, Sean. I will do for it. Yeah, it's a great path. I will do just about anything for food. Um, so... So I'm over there and we eat. And of course we, we have a lesson and they're telling me about the book of Mormon and Joseph Smith and the first vision. And Sean, it's, it's going in one ear and out the other. I, I'm, I'm just thinking about this, this truly righteous garlic bread that we have here. Uh, <laughs> I love uh, it. But I, I'm a visual learner. I learn best through visuals and I'm sure they were going to give me a copy anyway, but I really feel like everything these missionaries did was by the spirit. And they gave me a DVD copy of the restoration, a little 20 minute video. Mm. And I took it home and watched it. And Sean, I was just in awe of Joseph's story. Um, Because even though I've not been in that particular situation about, wanting to know which church was right. I have been in the situation as we all have of wanting to know what path I should take right. for life. So it really resonated with me. And I remember the, the next day at school, I asked my friend Daniel, I said, Hey, you know, that stuff that happened in that movie, you know, with the, the, the farm boy seeing heavenly father in Jesus Christ. I said, is, is that real? Like, did that actually happen? And he had this big smile on his face. He said, yes, yes, it happened. Um, and I said, you know, I, 
I would like to learn more. So from that moment, that's when I, I, I really started wanting to learn more about the church. Um, and, and I started taking the lessons seriously. And Sean, granted, you'll have to ask Elder Johnson and Christensen this, but I'm pretty sure they would tell you I was the golden investigator. Mm. I, I, I was, I was circling things in the Book of Mormon, underlining, highlighting, writing down questions as they came to me. Um, I was just asking all of these things that I, I had never even heard of before that, that I, I wanted to understand. And they answered all of my questions and I'm meeting with them granted still for dinner, right? We're having dinner (laughs) and lessons probably three nights a week for about um, almost a month, I guess. And there comes a point where they ask me, they, 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 they say, you know, how, how are you feeling about all this? I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. I like it. I like it. It's pretty cool. They said, do you believe that it's true? And I said, I don't know. Maybe mm. for some reason, Sean, it had never dawned on me to, to ask if this was true. Mm. And I wasn't necessarily just believing what, 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 you know, I, I, I wasn't taking their word for it. I was just going about it almost like a scholarly approach. Like I was just learning about what they believe. And so it got to a point where I said, okay, something needs to change. You know, either, either, either this is, this is true or, or it's not. And that means I'm either going to join this church or I'm going to stop taking the lessons because at this point I felt like I was just doing it more for fellowship than anything. Yeah. And so I remember thinking, okay, you know, need to pray about it. I, I never really knew much how to pray. And as I said, I'm a visual learner. So I go back to that video like, well, Joseph, he wanted to know, and he went out to the woods and he saw Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. Now, I wasn't expecting a miraculous <laughs> vision, sure. but then again, neither was Joseph. So, and in Tennessee, there are plenty of woods. So I go out into the woods and, mm. and I drop down on my knees and I pray. Now, Sean, I wish I could tell you that I saw a miraculous vision. I did not. Yeah. But the spirit that I felt. Mm. was just as strong as if I had. Awesome. Because I, I've always felt like, you know, specific, um, specific prayers get specific answers. And so I, I wanted to know, I asked Heavenly Father directly, you know, is this true? Is this what, is this the truth? And am I being told, because if it is, I'm I'm going to do what it takes to to join this, and if it's not, then I'm I'm going to drop it. But I I want to know is this true? And the scriptures talk about a burning in the bosom, and that's exactly how I felt. It was it was such a strong spirit come over me. So so I was I was excited. I had my answer. I was I was ready to join. Um. I called them. I called the missionaries. I called Daniel. I'm like, Hey, I'm ready. I want to be baptized. And I think after they picked their jaw up off the floor, (laughs) because, you know, everyone every day tells the missionaries they want to be baptized. Right. Of course. Uh, I, I, uh, I said, okay, what do we need to do? And they said, okay, we need to meet, meet with your mom and make sure she's okay with it and everything. And I thought, well, my, my my mom is the most chill lady ever. She knows where I've been, what I've been up to. I've been meeting with the missionaries three times a week for the last month. This is going to be a no-brainer. She, she'll say yes easily. Um, so I went and I talked with her about it, and she said no. Wow. Okay. Which is – it's not shocking. I mean, especially – you know, we have a lot of international listeners, and yeah. uh, so just a quick explanation of Tennessee. 
heart of the Bible Belt. You know, I mean, yes, this is yes. this is not a Latter Day Saint stronghold. Certainly, uh, wonderful members there, of course, and there are yes. a lot of members. But by and large, it's a born again Christian area. Very, yes, and, very very born again, and, um, and and probably some strong opinions about the quote Mormons at the time. Certainly. Very, um, so, very so not, not surprising. I mean, I think for, for most parents, if they're, and especially, you know, a 16 year old, their 16 year old son coming and saying, Hey, I want to do this. You know, there yeah. are some people who have, all they've heard is we're a cult and you must be getting brainwashed or something to want to do this. Yes. Yes. And also at the time, Sean, th- th- this was in 2008. So this was right around the time with the FLDS church and Warren Jeffs and all that. Mm. And, and if you look at that news footage where they talk about Warren Jess and the FLDS church, the news gets it right. They say the fundamentalist church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, but then they say Mormons. Yeah. And that's all people hear. People just hear Mormons. So I wasn't aware of it at the time, but my mom was. Right. And so she didn't mind me meeting with the missionaries. She didn't mind me going to the church. She just didn't want me joining the church. She thought that I was, I was too young to make that decision. Mm. And so I was really heartbroken. And the missionary said, why don't we fast and pray about this? Let's take tomorrow. We'll, we'll fast. We will pray for the Lord to soften your mom's heart for her to be ready for you to be baptized. So we did. They, answered whatever questions she had, you know, including explaining how, you know, we are not connected with the FLDS church. Um, But she still wasn't quite there. She still wasn't quite ready. So after we left, I was, I was disappointed. And I said, guys, you know, I, I'll still come to church. I just, you know, unfortunately she won't let me join. And they said, Mike, we feel the spirit after fasting and praying. We feel that by the 26th, your mom will say yes. Now that was like five days away. Mm. They said, we feel by the 26th, she will say yes. So why don't we go ahead and set your baptism date for the week after? And I was thinking, you're crazy, but okay, <laughs> sure. You know, why not? It's not the craziest thing that's happened yet. <laughs> Uh, so Sean, I will never forget. It was, it was on the 25th, one day before that deadline, when my mom looked at me and said, if you want this, if, if you really want this, I will, I will give you my blessing. Wow. And Sean, the crazy thing is they forgot about that. The missionaries forgot they had even said that, (laughs) but I didn't, I remembered it. Beautiful. And I just remember crying, thinking, you know, I mean, if if I ever needed a sign that that my heavenly Father loves me, mm. I mean, th- this is it. Th- this is that sign. And so, uh, so I was, I was, I was baptized a week later, and my mom was at my baptism, and she cried and said that it was one of the. Uh, happiest moments of her life. So beautiful. That means more to me than anything. That is just awesome. So now you've got this new life, Mike. You've got this uh, new life as a member of the church. You continued. You stayed active through high school. Is that right? I I, I did. Yes. Uh, I I did not serve a mission. Yep. Uh, I I got married at eighteen, um, and we were. Sealed in the temple two years later, mm. or or a year later, actually. Uh, and then something happened that completely changed my life. Uh, my wife, who suffered from uh, from severe mental illness, you know, she had bipolar, schizophrenia, things like that. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying this as an excuse. I'm just saying, you know, I. I I didn't know how to deal with that at the time, sure. but for whatever reason, uh, she had an affair and 
she wanted to end the marriage and be with him. And so that's what we did. So at 21 years old, I was divorced. Um, that's a lot, Mike. That's a lot yes. for a 21 year old to go through. You know, you don't expect that to be your path, especially understanding the ceiling power and yes. all of that. You know, this is not the path that you're, you had planned for your life. Did that lead to some faith questions like, hey, I've done everything right. Yeah. Why is this happening? So, so surprisingly, no. Mm. Um, I I never questioned the faith. I never questioned the doctrine. Um, but what it did do is is it it revealed to me that I had an issue that I thought marriage would fix, but it it didn't. And that is an addiction to pornography. Mm. Um, I struggled with that as a teenager and everything that comes along with it. Um, a lot of teens do, you know? Yes. Yes. And so I, I discovered that marriage is, is not a solution to that. Right. Um, you know, it, 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 and I can see why I thought that it might be right. Well, I'm, I'm doing something that is bad, but it's bad because I'm not married. So if I'm married, it's no longer bad. And, you know, that was my rationale thinking at the time. And once, once that was gone, that's when it started coming back. And, and it's true, you know, as they say, the gospel is built line upon line, precept upon precept. Well, Satan works lie upon lie, decept upon decept. And okay, so I've heard that before. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's powerful. And so, so little by little, you know, I, I started giving into temptation, you know, um, and, and everyone around me was, was noticing that, that, that spirit that I once had just wasn't really there. And so that was when I decided at the time that the best thing to do was to have my name removed from the records of the church. Um, I had a, a friend of mine who was not a member of the church reach out to my bishop, not in a, in a way of, of being a tattletale, but out of concern saying, hey, you know, he's not acting right. You know, you know, this doesn't seem like him. And so I got a visit from my bishop and and he, he wasn't accusing me. He was just asking me. But, Sean, I, I felt so offended. And, again, I want to state, you know, I, I, can, I can look at this from an outside perspective. Sean, I was not being bullied. He, he was not doing anything wrong. He was, he was being caring. Sure. But that's, not, but that's not what the adversary was telling me. The adversary was saying, he doesn't think you're good enough. He's bullying you, mm. you know. And so I, I remember I, I pounded my fist on his table as if to make a statement. And I just said, you don't control my future. I and I left and I came back the next day with a letter stating that I wanted my name removed. Again, not because I felt like the church wasn't true. Not because I didn't believe it. It was just because... I was unwilling to repent, but I also felt like I had lost everything, and I I felt like I needed control. I yeah. felt like, hey, this is a decision. This is my decision. I'm in control. And I remember when I handed that note to my bishop, he he wept. He and my Ellersborn president were both there and just wept. And he said, Mike, you're welcome here anytime. Mm. Um, and I was just so angry and I said, I don't want any contact with anybody. And I, I left and Sean, it didn't really hit me until a few weeks later when I received a letter from Salt Lake that said, dear brother Pilkey, um, your request to have your name removed from the records of the church has been approved. And from this point on, you are no longer a member of the church of Jesus Christ. Wow. Did and that, so, sorry, did that, did that feel like 
that's it. Like I, I can't ever come back from that. Did that feel like I put, you know, I put the final nail in, that's the end. I mean, I, in some ways it, it, it did, you know, I've, I've, I've always been a fairly rational thinker. So like I knew I could, you know, it's never too late. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I know that, but I also know what the steps are, what the process would be. It would be long. And that to me seemed, you know, unobtainable. Sure. And so I remember reading that letter and I was still angry, but I cried because what popped in my mind was I literally took an eraser and erased my name out of the book of life. Mm. That's how it felt. Um, And so I was just lost, you know, so I wanted to come back. I wanted it to be, you know, as if nothing had ever happened, but I knew that that wasn't going to be it. And so that's what Satan does. I was, I was just falling even more down. So I would, I would still live in sin and I, and I would continue doing all of these things that I shouldn't do. I, I mean, I, I, I never did drugs or anything like that. I think the worst that it got was, you know, pornography, law of chastity and alcohol, you know? Yeah. How, but, how, how long were you, how long were you in this status? I guess, how long were you officially out of the church? For two years. Yeah. Did you years. feel like did you feel like you needed to find a new happiness to replace the church? Were you seeking to find that fulfillment in other places? I was. I was I was seeking that mainly through pornography. That yeah. was probably where I would I would seek, you know, um happiness, you know, and and I put that in quotes because that's not happiness, you know. There is no happiness in pornography. <laughs> that's for sure. Absolutely. So I, um, I would fill my time doing, you know, all of that stuff. Now I, I never spoke against the church. I would always defend the church. You know, I, I had a lot of people approach me, you know, saying, Hey, you know, I want you to come speak at my church about the Mormon church. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, well, aren't you no longer Mormon? I'm like, yeah, but I, I still believe, you know, I, I, I haven't lost my testimony. I just have, I, I just have lost my, my willingness to do the things that I should be doing. Hmm. And so I never wavered in that. I never talked bad about the church or, or, or anything. I, I, I did talk bad about our, our bishop. Because as I said, at the, at the time I had felt bullied. Yeah. I wasn't. And I want to state that I, I was not bullied. But your pride will do that. I mean, all of us, yeah. you know, all of us, when, especially when we're in that tender of a position, we're looking for, you know, we're, we're looking for the worst case scenario out of every interaction, right? Uh, yes. Yes, absolutely. So at some point during, during all of this, it was in the same year that I had my name removed. I had met the girl who would end up becoming my wife now. Um, and she, she comes from a very evangelical religious family. Um, and she and I got to talking and she asked me about church and I just told her, and I said, I, I said, you know, I, I used to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm not anymore. I still believe but I'm not active. I'm not doing anything about it. And she just said, okay, you know, that's cool. And we kept talking and, and during this time is when I started wanting to come back. Yeah. And so, um, so she and I had moved to Cleveland, Tennessee, which is about 30 minutes North. Were you married before you went to Cleveland? Did you get married before or after you went to Cleveland? Uh, after, after, after. So, so, you, so you went together, you were still just dating. Yes. Yes. That's an, that's an interesting story. And it's, 
in itself too, as, uh, as, as far as re- returning to church. Uh, that, that's a neat story. But um, yeah, so around this time, I start meeting with the new bishop and wanting to do all the things that I need to to come back. We start that process. Um, and what was Tiffany's response to all this when you said, hey, I want to I come back? So she was off in Argentina, actually, at, at school. And so while she's in Argentina, I start to want to come back to the church. And so I'm kind of talking with her about it. She, she, she doesn't know much about the, the church. The only thing she knew was that Mitt Romney was a Mormon and she wasn't going to vote for Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs> that's all she knew. That, that's, that's all she knew about the church. She wasn't sure. going to vote for a Mormon. Sure. She didn't know nothing about it, but she wasn't going to vote for one. Around that time, she had started getting curious as well about the things that I was going to be going back to. Sure. And of course, as I said, she comes from a very evangelical family. So, um, you know, her, her parents in, inspire her to, to seek it out. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the outcome they were expecting, but right. they were encouraging her to seek out answers, you know. And so around this time, she's learning as, as well. Um, she was actually taught by my missionaries mm. uh, while she was in Argentina. She, she was taught over Skype. She probably had the lessons, I would say, 10 or 12 times. Mm. And she was pushing back and, and you know, that there was something she didn't understand or agree with. I mean, she's, she's a feisty one. She would say, you know, I don't agree with that. I don't understand that. Explain that. And Sean, along the way, it was important for me that I'm not – I'm not deeply involved with it because I, I really felt like my ex-wife joined the church for me. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I did not want that to be the case. I, I, I didn't want her to be influenced by me. I yeah. told her from the beginning, I said, I said, look, I, I, I love you and I'm, I'm, I'm going to pursue this with you whether or not you ever join the church. Yeah. Um, and I hope that that feeling is mutual. And she said it is. Somewhere along the line, she gains a testimony as well. So fast forward to 2015, she gets back from Argentina and we decide to become roommates. We are living the law of chastity and we are pretty much just roommates, but we are dating, um, sleeping in separate rooms, everything. And, um, and so around this time, things are kind of progressing. Of course, Sean, I know, you know, there's no way that I can be rebaptized while I'm, I'm living with the girl who I'm dating, even if we're living the law of chastity. Um, and so our missionaries were trying to nudge us to get married. They're like, come on, come on, hurry up. And she and I, you know, explained to them, Hey, we have a wedding date set. But we're not just going to jump into it just just so she can get baptized. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we want our families there. It's going to be a, a great celebration. I remember one day the missionaries called us and, and asked if we could meet them at the church. And we said, yeah. And they asked her, they said, if you could get baptized this weekend, would you do it? And, and she said, yeah, yeah, of course. And they asked me, if, if you could get rebaptized this weekend, would you do it? Well, yeah, of course. And they said, well, we've talked to the mission president. We can make it happen. And I was like, what? I, I mean, you guys know we are living together. Like, we live in the same house. And, and, and I don't know how far this went. I have heard it. It went as far as the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, but that could just be a, a folklore <laughs> thing. I, I don't know. That's just what I heard, but they did get permission, and and they said, you two have been actively coming to church. You're living the law of chastity, uh, you know, aside from actually physically living together. Yeah. And and you do have a wedding date set. It's not like you're just, you know, sitting there and pushing it off. You do have a wedding date. 
Yeah. And they said, we've got permission to go ahead and do the baptism for you. And they said that I would still need to meet with the bishop, but they are able to go ahead and do my rebaptism. Wow. That's amazing. And that was an unbelievable experience. Um, I was rebaptized and she was baptized by our stake president uh, who is in our ward. Awesome. And, and, um, and it just kind of goes from there. So about a year, a year later, she is getting ready for the temple and I am still going through the, the full repentance process because I had been endowed previously. Um, I had to go through what's called a restoration of priests and blessings. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and so over this year, I was, I was doing all of that, all of the necessary paperwork, everything. And it was just taking so long. Um, I know at one point my ex-wife had to write a letter about it and she was taking her time doing that. And it was just so frustrating. I told my bishop, I said, it is hard to not get discouraged. Like right. it, it, it is so difficult. And she wanted to wait for me before she went through the endowment for herself. Mm. And, and so she and I are, are, waiting and waiting and waiting. And I finally told her, I said, I said, Tiff, the power that is, that comes from the endowment is unlike anything. And I said, I don't want to be selfish any longer. I don't want to withhold you from that further power and knowledge. And, and I said, mine will come in time. Yours is now. Mm. And so she went through the temple and I didn't know this until later. So Sean, I can't tell you how difficult it was for me to walk her up to the temple door. And I have can to only imagine, her. especially having been through it before. Yes. You know, and, and yeah, that's Mike, yeah. that's major. I, I hugged her. I kissed her. Um, and, um, and I just told her, I said, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I didn't know when I had my name removed, I didn't know that the effect it would affect now, it, that it would affect today, that, that I would not be able to be there with you, my wife, who I love. And, um, and so I waited outside and I didn't know this until later on our way home. She told me that while she was in the celestial room, she prayed and she prayed that we would hear back from the state president. And the next day we did. Um, I had a text. He, uh, he had texted me. He, he didn't call. He had texted and said, Hey, I want to meet with you tomorrow um, at church. And I was, I was like, okay. I was like, is this good news? Bad news, what? And he was like, I, I just want to meet. I was like, okay. Um, and so I met with him, and and he had said that he had received the okay from from Salt Lake to go ahead and restore my priesthood blessings, and he did it right there on the spot. And I'll never forget, Sean. He said that from from this moment on. It will be as if you never left. Mm. And that resonated with me because here's what's funny about that, Sean. When, when I left originally, um, my, my calling at that time was first counselor in the Sunday school presidency. And that was in my old ward. My bishop, priesthood leaders, they had no knowledge of that. And if they had, it would have been long, long gone. I mean, years ago. Yeah. And and about a week later, I I got called to be first counselor in the Sunday school presidency. <laughs> Talk about full restoration right there. <laughs> and and it reminded me, Sean, if I can just quote my 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 favorite scripture, 
Doctrine and Covenants 58.42 that says, Behold, he who hath repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. Beautiful. Yeah. That that stuck with me and resonated with me, and it's been phenomenal. Awesome. A little while later, she and I got, got sealed in the temple. Our marriage was a civil marriage, so that way our families could be there because we are both very close with our families. Sure. Uh, and that was important to us. But uh, the following year, she and I were able to go and get sealed. And here we are today. It's been a phenomenal what a story. Life. Mike, what a beautiful story. So if we've got people listening who have stepped away from the church, which based on emails I've gotten, I know there are people who are kind of where you were. They've They've left the church. Maybe they've had their names removed, maybe not. But in some form or other, they've walked away from the church and they miss it. They're not sure about coming back. You've walked that path. What, uh, what advice do you have for people who have, have stepped away? My advice would be to start now. Set aside your anger. Set aside your, your pride. I know that that is very difficult. Sean, even today, I'm a very prideful person. I struggle with that every day. It is so difficult. You and but me both, you, Mike. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> but if you, if you, even if you're not ready to fully come back, at, at least start. You know, start by going to church. Meet with your bishop. Meet with your home teachers or your your ministry. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Some things have changed, huh? Yeah, of course. Um, and uh, you know, just. Most importantly, know that you're not alone. Um, my bishop has become one of my best friends. He, uh, he, as a matter of fact, I'm on a first name basis with him now. I call him Adam, <laughs> uh, which feels weird sometimes. But he, uh, he, he's a wonderful man who, if I could pick anyone who he reminds me of as a bishop, it would be President Monson. Oh, very cool. He loves the people of the ward. He, he, he ministers with the power of God. I, 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 he's such a great guy. And um, so my advice would be to just find someone who you're comfortable with and talk about it. Start that process. Let, let them know you're hurt. It's, a, it, it's okay to feel that. Um. And then my other advice would be to anyone who's thinking about leaving. Um, that, for me, that was just a cop-out. It was, it was a, a decision made out of pride and anger. Mm. And I believe me, there are, there are many better ways to repent than to start from a scratch. Sometimes it's required. And, um, but I feel like most of the time, a willingness to repent is, is is all it takes. And you leaving the church is not the right answer, even if it even if it feels like your only option. What a beautiful story, Mike! I love this whole story. I think it's awesome. And just circling all the way back around, because it seems in like insignificant now in the big picture but you're still a magician. I just wanted to get to that. Yeah. that yes. That yes. magic is still a huge part of your life and you perform very much. And, very much. uh, but, but gosh, all of that is so, uh, inconsequential to the bigger picture and what you shared, I think is such a beautiful story. We will wrap up with the question that we ask all of our guests. And that is Mike Pilkey. What does being a member of the church mean to you? I think over the years, it means, something different each time. You know, when I joined the church, I think it, it meant a sense of belonging and a sense of community. When I rejoined the church, it meant home and um, finally being back in the, in the fold. Now, as I am entering my 30s and I am wanting to start a family and I'm thinking about my own family being a member of the church to me means that 
it's not just a hymn that we sing, but that families really can be together forever. Mm. That is one of the most beautiful messages of the gospel that I love. And I think the older I get, the more that that's going to mean to me. Um, so I think that would, that would, that would be my answer is that it means that I can be with my family for eternity. Beautiful. He is a husband. He is a magician. He is a convert to the church and he is an awesome, awesome member of this great church. Mike Bilkey, thanks for sharing your Latter-day life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. And my special thanks to Mike Pilkey for coming on the show and sharing his story. It's such a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, I've never actually met Mike in person, but I've known him through social media for a long time. He is just a good man doing good things. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, this week in my Latter-day life, uh, as I'm recording this, it's Sunday. It's the day before the show comes out. And today is one of those busy, busy Sundays. And uh, I woke up. Our ward now meets at 830 they're doing uh, kind of spaced out more with the wards so everyone can distance a little more. And so we had early morning church and I was up late last night and and then I had some high council assignments that I had to run around and take care of. And tonight is actually our seminary graduation, uh, which seminary falls under me for high council. So I've been very, very involved putting this together and calling people to speak and it's just felt like there was a lot going on and a very, very busy Sunday. And today when I went over to our steak center to take care of some steak business, as I walked in, there were two young men sitting in the foyer. These are young men I know very well. Uh, one is from my home ward. Actually, they both were from our home ward, but then our ward split. So one of them is from another ward now, or at least his family's there. But I know these young men very well. I've known them since they were very uh, young boys, and they are tremendous young men. And I always see them uh, over at the young single adult ward, and I get to talk to them almost every week. And here it was in our home stake center, and I walked in and was very surprised to see them sitting there. And this was, uh, this was in the afternoon. It was uh, right around one o'clock. And I kind of, when I walked in, I kind of smiled and looked at them, and they looked at me a little bit sheepishly as they were, they were sitting in the foyer. And I asked them what was happening, and they reminded me, today the YSA ward actually had their stake conference. It was this morning at uh, 11 o'clock. And one of the boys had forgotten completely that it was stake conference today, and one of the other boys had slept in and had actually missed it. And the, the, the first boy, he was just planning on regular church at 1 o'clock. So... When the other boy texted him at noon and said, hey, I totally overslept, and the, the other boy said, oh, I forgot all about it, uh, rather than just saying, oh, well, rather than just saying, I guess we missed it, whatever, they said, at least we can go take the sacrament. And so they went uh, over to the chapel and sat in the foyer together and were sitting and waiting for that ward to have their sacrament. And I asked him, these boys are, I think, 19 years old right now. I said, so you really are here just to take the sacrament? And they said, yeah, we felt bad that we missed out on conference, but at least we can take sacrament. And I was so impressed with their example. There they were, sharp young men in full suits, sitting there ready to renew their covenants with our Heavenly Father. And they were somewhat apologetic, like, yeah, that was dumb. I can't believe we missed conference and I had to I had to say to them and again I know these boys well I said boys heavenly father respects effort he loves effort we know that the scriptures and so many talks from conference are full of the fact that he loves when we try he loves when we put forward our best effort and I told these boys that they were my heroes that I don't know in the same situation that I would have gotten up just to go take the sacrament it's very easy to say, you know what, we missed it this week, oh well, we'll catch it next week. So these boys were heroes to me, and I think sometimes we're like these these young men. We can tend to get in our own heads, and we can think, oh, I'm not doing well enough, or I'm not perfect, and I missed out on this and that, but God loves effort. 
So let's not give up. We're not going to be perfect, but let's keep pushing forward and let's keep showing our effort. And who knows, you might inspire someone just like these tremendous young men inspired me today. I'm so grateful for the gospel that gives us a chance every day to get up and start over and do just a little bit better. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day Life. Thank you so much for checking in with us again. We really appreciate it. If you enjoy the show and think to leave us a review on Facebook or Apple Podcasts or wherever, we're so grateful for those reviews. They really help us to be found when people are searching for good content. If you want to reach out to me directly, I can be reached at sean at latterdaylives.com. That's S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. Well, I think that's about all we got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. Go be in it just not of it. Thanks for listening.